Yo, it's the Southside's own Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Abreu massacres this ball to left center field. Donna goes in motion left. Snap it to Michelle. He's running to the left. Angling. 25-20. Got a block for Crump. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. 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 Don't win it. We're headed to Atlanta. Trubisky's going to run it. And he is going to get a first down. How about Trubisky to the 42-yard line? Oh, my goodness. In the ring. Steamboat's got him up. A slam. The Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. What's up, what's up? And welcome in. You're listening to Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app with open phone lines for you at 312-332-ESPN. 332-3776 is a telephone number. Hit me up on Instagram, IGJHood, on Snapchat, SnapJHood. If you follow me on Snapchat, I will follow you back guaranteed as we broadcast live from our first Midwest Bank Studios. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, M's in my back. First Midwest Bank. Bank with momentum. On the program tonight, we're going to hear from Jesse Rogers, who covers the Cubs for ESPN.com. Jesse's covering the Cubs and the Seattle Mariners in the Pacific Northwest. We're going to hear from Jesse, especially with this news just breaking just moments ago. According to Jesse's Twitter, at ESPN Chai Cubs, the Cubs... To option Addison Russell, their shortstop, to AAA come Friday. That's per Theo Epstein. So, again, Addison Russell going to AAA. We'll talk to Jesse about that coming up in a half hour from now as we preview the Cubs, Mariners, and that news about Addison Russell right here on ESPN 1000. So, Jesse at 730. Also, we will uh, talk a little bit about the NBA playoffs. Of course, this is a truncated edition of Under the Hood tonight because we got NBA playoffs uh, we will have the Warriors and the Rockets game two tonight. Uh, Nick Friedel will be with us at 810 to preview that game. He'll be at Oracle to cover the Warriors and the Rockets. So we'll talk to Nick coming up at 810. We also have Tales from the Hood, stories of sports, entertainment, everything else in between. This time on Tales from the Hood, a little bit different because sometimes we have a guest and we're going to bring kind of broke, you know, broach certain subjects on Tales from the Hood. We talk about the passing of filmmaker John Singleton, Baby Boy, Boys in the Hood, all the some of the great movies that John Singleton was able to produce or write. We will hear from Kelly L. Carter from TheUndefeated.com about the passing of John Singleton. If you have never seen any of his movies, you probably should, or maybe you have and didn't know that John Singleton was a writer, producer, director of some of those iconic movies going back to the 90s all the way to where we are right now, where he is... Uh, 
he was producing Snowfall, a show that's on FX, a really good show that's in its, believe, second season. So we'll hear from Kelly L. Carter coming up at 845 for Tales from the Hood. And plenty of time for your thoughts as well. 312-332-ESPN is our phone number. Hope that you had a great Tuesday. Hope that you have a great Tuesday night as we're with you until 9 o'clock. Short flight tonight here on ESPN 1000. So i got to get a lot of stuff in. Again, we've got two guests and we've got a lot of topics to broach here. You know, there is nobody that's a bigger fan of the NBA than me at ESPN 1000. Um, I, I enjoy the league. Anytime that you're watching before you six titles in eight years and watching the greatest basketball player to ever play the game in Michael Jordan, there is this way of you being able to get connected with the league when you see something great every single night. Uh, and more times than not, Michael Jordan and those Bulls in those championship years did not let me down. I saw the Bulls before Michael Jordan. I know what bad basketball was like. Then when Jordan came, he really elevated uh, the experience, the NBA experience in Chicago. So I love the league. And nobody talks more about the NBA. No one loves the NBA more than I do on this particular uh, station. I, I do see value in talking about the NBA draft. Uh, I do see value of the offseason because out of all the sports, the NFL, Major League Baseball, hockey, all the sports, nobody has more offseason drama, uh, especially on social media or in-season drama on social media like the NBA. Um, so I see value in the draft and the offseason, the regular season, and the playoffs. It's all very uh, intriguing to me. It's all very interesting to me. Because the storylines that are created a lot of times by the players. However, there are some things that I think that the commissioner of the NBA, Adam Silver, has to be able to address. And one of the things that has to be addressed in this league that, again, from a culture standpoint, from an action standpoint, the pettiness that you'll see from time to time with some of these players and organizations, I think the incessant whining of officials' calls will turn off the casual NBA viewer if this continues to happen. I tweeted about this at Tweet J Hood over the weekend because I, I had not been on. I have not been on the air since last Wednesday because we've had so many um, interruptions of our programs, either our, my show with JD on the weekends with Dickerson and Hood on ESPN Radio or Under the Hood because we've had so many NBA playoff games, so we've been preempted. And we're going to have a lot of this throughout the NBA playoffs. So I haven't been on to talk about this, but I did tweet it at Tweet J Hood about watching, in particular, Game 1 of the Rockets and the Warriors and watching that series. And just after every dead ball, there is a player that's complaining about a call. That's not the NBA. At least that's not what the NBA should be. You see this so often with two of the top teams in the NBA, in particular with Golden State and Houston. Not just when, when they face each other. I see this all throughout the regular season. There's a, you know, here comes Chris Paul into the front court. He runs into a player. There's a whistle. The ball's going the other way. And there's Chris Paul with his palms outstretched, his arms in a shrugged shoulder kind of manner, looking at the officials saying, how could you make that call? James Harden kicks his legs out, trying to get a three-point shot, and he opens his arms all wide for everyone to see with his eyes bugged out and his beard out there for God in the world to see. 
and he says, well, how could you make that call? Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, they, they run into somebody and they say, how could you make that call? Draymond Green, always trying to bargain, always trying. He comes to of- officials like he's trying to get a dollar from them uh, in trying to sell you you know, a magazine trying to sell you streetwise. Dude, get off of me. I don't have a dollar to give you, but you keep your streetwise from two years ago. This is what we're getting here with the NBA. And it's just way too much. Do you realize that if they continue to do this, players continue to do this, that they will be killing the golden goose when it comes to the NBA and viewership? It's not about me. It's not about Felix. It's not about Sean. It's about the casual viewer. It's about trying to get more people under the tent. Any business grows, any national business or or a television or radio business, um, when it comes to the media, entertainment business, if you're trying to grow it, you already have your core fans. It's not about us. It's not about those that watch the league. What it's about is trying to get more casual viewers in. And if every dead ball that there is a question mark about whether a call is right or wrong, that's no good for the league. As we talk about this with Jonathan Hood on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app, they are completely killing the golden goose if they continue to complain about calls. Do they have the right to complain about it? Absolutely. But every call is not a bad call. How about this? What if, and, and just like in the NFL, in the NBA, you can call a foul on every play. You do know this, right? There, unless it's some like you know long three at the end of the buzzer with nobody covering anybody and they just, just launch shots with nobody in their face. You can call a foul every single time down the floor because we have to understand in 2019, It's still about contact in sports. The NFL, the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, at some point, it is about contact. Now, I'm not saying that officials always get it right, but I also will tell you that every call is not a referendum for you to bitch about calls. I mean, you you can't, it's amazing how the cameras pick up these players every single time. It's like, there's no way I found that guy. There's no way I found that guy. And and from Golden State standpoint, let me just point out Golden State before I get to Houston, because Houston, we got to talk about this. From Golden State standpoint, that starts with former Bull Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr, if for those of you of a certain age that remember Steve Kerr in his prime, playing in the NBA, also a hothead, also had the red ass, also complaining about calls when he played because he was this underdog underneath player trying to be able to get calls and couldn't get them because it's, well, it's Steve Kerr. And, and so he used to complain about calls a lot when he played that whole golden state thing where Draymond green and Kevin Durant and the splash brothers and Andre Godala that comes from the top. Because if you're a coach that says, okay, hey guys, let me handle the calls. Let the coaching staff handle the calls. You just play. If that was the case, we would see that with Golden State, but we don't. Draymond Green goes over to the official you know, in Sunday's game, and it doesn't matter if he, his arms were flailing. It doesn't matter if he was, you know, if he was just like moving his head side to side. He got technical, and rightfully so. You, you get. I, I would imagine it just wears the ass out of officials when players have to continue to go to them and say, that was a foul. What was you seeing? Did you see him handshake? I mean, there's a way for you to be able to have a rapport with officials, and there's another way for you to continue to talk to them. And, and so here in game two with Houston and Golden State, 
the storyline should be, can Houston tie the series? That should be the number one storyline. But actually, the number one storyline is is that Ed Malloy and Scott Foster are two of the officials that will be in tonight's game. Oh, Scott Foster. Scott Foster has not officiated a game with Houston since this past February. And why? Because James Harden said that Scott Foster's arrogant and that he's not willing to listen and that he's not trying to have a relationship with the players. Well, here's the point that James Harden doesn't understand. James Harden and the officials should not have a, a relationship. Officials are supposed to be pretty much robotic. I shouldn't know their name. If I know your name is official, that's a problem. And so look, here's looking at you, Joe West, in Major League Baseball, the same thing. But in, in the NBA, I should not be able to know your name. But in a February contest, James Harden had a problem with that official in particular. And so now we see the story that came out earlier today from Zach Lowe and Rachel Nichols from ESPN. The story is entitled Rockets Audit It 2018 Game 7 Say Finals Bid Taken. Here's the first line. Tell me if this is not comical, okay? The Houston Rockets believe officiating in last season's Western Conference Finals cost them an NBA championship. I thought if you played in the Western Conference Championship, that that is your chance to play in the finals. But apparently, the officiating in last season's Western Conference Finals cost them an NBA championship. And in a report since sent to the league, tabulated the net result of 81 potential missed calls and non-calls in Game 7 of that series between Houston and the Golden State Warriors, according to the report of of a memo, both which has been obtained by ESPN. Quote, referees likely change the eventual NBA champion, says the memo addressed to Byron Spirell, the NBA's president of league operations. There can there there can be no result for the NBA. There cannot be no worse result for the NBA. The Rockets never actually sent the memo to Spirell because they ended up communicating it messages, including that they believe officiating cost them the 2018 title during an in-person meeting with league officials, according to multiple league sources. So the ESPN was able to uh, occupy this memo of the Rockets complaining about calls. I scroll down this article and they cite certain things like Steph Curry drove on the right side of the floor and Joe Green, the Rocket defending Curry, placed his right arm on Curry's hip as Curry rose for a layup and there was no call. The NBA flagged it as potential infraction. Uh, you know, and, and they're talking about Houston's analysis. It goes on to talk about James Harden, how he missed a layup. And yet there was a benefit to the Golden State Warriors. It just goes on and on and on about Eric uh, Gordon play and a Trevor Reza play and a Kevin Looney play and a Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson play. And they're citing examples of how Houston felt they were screwed last year in the NBA playoffs. The league also cited Harden's attempt to block a potential infraction, a possible foul, but but one the league could not say conclusively was a foul upon further review. So it's almost like after that series that did not have Chris Paul in it, by the way, they felt they got screwed, but they did not mention that they were like 0 for 40 from three-point range for a while, where they could not even knock down shots. That wasn't the reason why they lost Game 7, right? Because they couldn't shoot the basketball. Maybe that was the reason, more so than calls. But here is Mike D'Antoni and the Houston Rockets sending in a memo saying that they got robbed because of infractions by the officials. 
The report from last year's Game 7 cites uncalled landing spot fouls, including a missed Hardened three-pointer with about 340 left in the second quarter on which Jordan Bell leaped into Harden's landing space. In their memo, once again, the Rockets did not end up sending it because it communicated its message to, you know, through uh, in person instead of sending it. Um, the Rockets also argue in their memo that the veteran officials, quote, exhibit the most bias against our players. <laughs> now, here's what's funny about that. If the Rockets lose this series, which is likely, they can win the series, maybe that, but it's likely they'll lose this series, right? Maybe in six, maybe in seven. I don't know. But there's already in that locker room a built-in excuse that everybody's against us. Why would you put that out there for for the Rockets, the players? And I'm not saying that they are soft and they don't know. They're smart guys. I understand that. But you just don't want that permeating the locker room that, hey, we sent this memo out last year because we got screwed. And now the the officials in game one, well, they screwed us here this year too. So you just know they're against us. Well, okay. So why would you even give the officials the power? How about this? What's more important to win an NBA championship? Is it shots, shot making, or is it calls from the officials? Do you want to be able to be a team that is known to be able to make shots and produce and earn your spot to be an NBA champion versus having officials win the championship for you? Seriously. And this is a problem for the league. And you wonder why TV and radio ratings are down when it comes to the NBA. That's one, that's one example. I'm sure that the, again, the casual NBA viewer is like, oh my God, this isn't, they're complaining about calls again. They're complaining about calls again. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I saw that. And I just thought that was just amazing that there was an, a memo leaked and the Rockets are complaining. So now uh, here's their, their fallback excuse when they fall short against the, the Warriors this year. The officials screwed us. So, you know, that's why we didn't win. How about make shots? How about produce? How about go to the basket more? How about try to get more three-point plays and be more of aggressive, an aggressive team versus a team that's passively trying to knock down threes, kicking your leg out, trying to get calls? I, I think I'd rather just be the, the aggressor rather than to kick my leg out trying to get calls. That's just me. It's all about production. But doing it that way, you get what you deserve. Uh, something else too regarding the NBA playoffs. The uh, the Milwaukee Bucks are taking on the Boston Celtics at seventeen fifteen four fifty six left in the first in game two of that series. Boston leads that series one game to one to none. I um I heard Paul Pierce. I wasn't going to say his name, but I I heard Paul Pierce and um and in his commentary about um, after game one that Milwaukee is done because they lost against the Boston Celtics. And uh, the one thing that you will never catch me doing, and if you do, I hope that you can always call me on the carpet about it on social media or call me on my show and tell me this, is that I, I'm just not going to be that guy that's going to hot take for the moment. I don't know how to do that. And, and I could do it as a gimmick, as just to, to be funny, but I'm not going to hot take just for the, for the uh, sake of argument or for ratings or to be able to garner more interest. I think that you guys, for the most part, understand that I'm going to tell you how I feel, but not to the point where I'm just going to hot take it to death and then change my mind the next day. 
um, because it, it's fruitless. You guys are smart enough to know if I have uh, a thought on something, I'm going to stick with it. Like I, like I have the Celtics winning the Eastern Conference uh, this particular season. I could be wrong about it, but I'm not going to change my mind just based on a series or a game. Paul Pierce had, had uh, Milwaukee buried after the first game, and I will tell you that um, I, I don't care if it's you. I don't care if it's someone who played the game. I don't care who it is. I just don't think, even in 2019, it is fair for anyone to be able to look at a a young team and bury a young team and say that what they're not versus what they could be. I've been watching Milwaukee all season. I've been watching Giannis Antetokounmpo all season because I think they're I think is amazing the metamorphosis of the Milwaukee Bucks on how they used to be a team that's kind of uh, kind of packed it in and really wasn't getting up and down the floor under Jason Kidd and and his assistant Prunty and now looking at Mike Budenholzer's team the Bucks are one of the best teams in the league as far as shooting the three ball uh, it's it's Golden State the Bucks are right there in that same conversation as far as shooting the three ball how they get up and down the floor. Uh, the Brogdons for a long time, looking at um, what Anna Cupo's done, with uh, Chris Middleton has done. Uh, a number of players on that roster do a very good job knocking down threes. It's going to be a little bit of a culture shock for Milwaukee because they're going to realize that this series is not as easy as the last series. But it's but I, I'm not going to bury Milwaukee and tell, tell you that they're garbage or they're trash because they run into an experienced, veteran-laden Boston team. It, it just it is amazing to me how how so many people want to get out in front and be able to tell you, well, this is how it is because, well, you know, this is how it is because I saw one game and nope, I'm telling you, Milwaukee's not that. Let's watch Giannis Antetokounmpo grow. Let's watch this young team grow. Yeah, they might lose a series, they might win the series, but yet it's a young team. It's something new and fresh, uh, and so I, I just I don't get trying to bury uh, young teams and put, put Golden State Warriors' expectations on the Milwaukee Bucks. That's, that's not fair. But, you know, life's not fair, and these, and these takes aren't fair, but this is what we continue to get here in our sports conversation, um, which is just amazing to me. Uh, Davis, let's hear from, uh, from James Harden, because I want to make sure that we punctuate what Harden said as far as uh, getting a fair chance from the referees. What can I do about it? <laughs> I, w- I was told the same thing at half, and there's probably a couple more in that second half. I just want a fair chance, man. Call the game how it's supposed to be called, and, and, and that's it. And I'll live with the results. But especially we all know what happened, you know, a few years back with Kawhi. Like, that can change an entire series. Just call the game how it's supposed to be called, and, and we'll live with the results. And, and it's, it's plain and simple. I mean, James Harden's one of the best, if not the best, three-point shooter in the league. Why do you need a fair shake? Why can't you just play? <laughs> Kick your leg out trying to get calls. It's so it's so sad. You don't need the extra advantage. Just shoot the basketball. Just play hard. Play defense. Play team defense. And and that's again, as much as I'm a big fan of the league, I just don't like that part of it. The new logo of the league should be a player yelling at a referee in a silhouette and his arms stretched out. That should be not not Jerry West. It should be the player stretching his his arms out, and you can see like the audible yelling at an official an official's ear. That's the new logo of the NBA. That's a bad look for the league. It, it certainly is. Coming up next, 
We'll hear from Jesse Rogers on the latest on Addison Russell. Addison Russell's going to AAA. Also, some thoughts uh, about the Cubs and their matchup against the Mariners. That's next, right here on Under the Hood. I go to work like a doctor. When I rock the mic, you got to like it. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Hit me up on Snapchat, SnapJHood, or also on Instagram, IGJHood, Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood, weeknights at 7 here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Let's go to the Pacific Northwest, a man who covers the Chicago Cubs for ESPN 1000 and ESPN.com. It is Jesse Rogers as the Cubs get ready to take on the Mariners. Hello, Jess. Good evening, J-Hood. How are you doing, pal? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Getting ready for the Cubs and Mariners here. I want to know that you've got a laundry list of things here as you got a chance to talk to Theo Epstein. Let's start with Addison Russell, which you tweeted about Addison. Tell us the latest there. Yeah, Theo just addressed the reporters here. He's already told Addison Russell that he will be optioned to AAA. In other words, just stay down at AAA. When his suspension is up um, this Friday, he's actually going to be – they have a doubleheader tomorrow. He's going to be off tomorrow and then optioned – Friday, and he'll stay down there uh, uh, for the near future. Now, this is purely a baseball decision because they're pretty well set up the middle right now, but obviously Addison has to continue his progress off the field, and uh, there's still a a sort of blueprint for him to come back up here and help the team. Now, look, if Hobby gets hurt in this game or tomorrow's game, he'll be up here on Friday, or if another infielder gets hurt, there's a good chance he'll be up here on Friday. So um, that's where they're at right now. Uh, They feel like you know, just like an injured player that only had seven days to play uh, to have spring training here, um, they feel like he needs more time anyway. Um, but it also uh, gives them a chance to sort of let this thing settle in a little bit after his suspension is up and then bring him up at an appropriate time. Uh, I know that you addressed this, but not on this program. So uh, you said that Theo said that it would be a fireable offense if he found out if anyone with the Cubs influenced the media about anything, but especially on a sensitive subject like Addison Russell's situation. You said uh, in no uncertain terms that you were not influenced, that you don't know anybody that covers the Cubs that were. What you think of that story, and what do you think of Theo's response? Um, Theo sort of brought that up unprompted. Um, you know, uh, he wants to make it clear that anyone can write or think or say whatever they want, critical or otherwise, because this is a very sensitive subject. He knows it's a toxic situation. The Cubs bringing Russell back. He gets it. If you're as critical as you want to be, he gets it. Um, and so, um, I feel like that was good that he came out and said that publicly, um, I knew that anyway because I've never been influenced. Nobody around here has been or threatened. He he he, was, he used the word threatened because that's that's the wording that was used in the tweet in the report. Um, and he said, yeah, he would fire any employee that tried to uh, you know threaten reprisals if you if you reported something or wrote something negative about the Cubs or the Cubs' handling of Addison Russell, especially Addison Russell's situation, because he knows that it, 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 it there, there's some negative feelings attached to it. So. Um, I'm not surprised he said that. Um, I thought the report was trash, because, poorly reported. Um, I'm not uh, dismissing the validity of it. I have no idea if someone spoke to whoever. I mean, it's all anonymous and all that jazz, but it was poorly reported. I, I think I have an authority to. I, I have authority to say that, and uh, that's my feeling on it. Um, but it's a side story. It's a tangent story. Uh, no, nobody's nobody's been influenced or threatened about their coverage of Addison Russell. The bigger story is, is Addison Russell making progress off the field 
And Theo Epstein undeniably said yes. He has, he has been in touch with the, the, all parties involved, and there is real progress going on here, And that, at least in Theo's mind, and that's the important thing. And uh, then we'll see what happens if he comes up here and can help the team. Jesse Rogers covering the Cubs in Seattle with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Uh, the latest on Brandon Morrill, what, is, what are you finding out here? Well, I talked to him earlier in the week. He said he was going to have an injection um, yesterday, and he did. This is an injection into the elbow, a lubricant. Um, it's a post-surgery uh, type of thing. It's not a return of the thing that put him down in the first place. Um, if he, had, if he had, keeps having bone bruises, then his career is done. But he had a bone bruise. They had surgery, and now it's more irritation from, from you know, sort of uh, ramping up his throwing program after surgery. So, you know, look, it's always seem, seemingly something with him. They're going to try this lubricant in two weeks. He'll pick up a baseball. Um, but it isn't at least the worst-case scenario because there is a scenario where he doesn't return. Where they're not there yet. Um, they don't believe they're even close to there yet. But it's going to take some more time than they thought. So, Jesse, there's a, a few changes in the lineup here, with, especially with uh, Chris Bryant, right? Yeah, Bryant was going to play left field or the outfield. I don't know if he's right and left. I can't remember now. But uh, Bodie uh, and uh, Schwarber was going to DH. Uh, now uh, Schwarber's going to play left, and Bryant will DH. Some lower leg stiffness, I guess you call it, from Bryant. Told uh, you know, Theo and, and Joe said that if this game was at Wrigley without the DH, he'd be, in, he'd be playing. So he'd be playing the field. So obviously it's not a major injury if he's still in the lineup though he just won't play the field tonight. I don't know about tomorrow night. So consider it minor. His bat's been heating up. We'll see if that continues tonight. What would you say is the turning point for the Cubs here with their winning ways? Because, you know, I remember <laughs> remember early in the season how they were going through their doldrums in the at Texas and Atlanta series and, and then the series with Milwaukee. And now you see how they've turned around. And not just turned around, Jesse. Turn around against quality opponents, I would say. Get 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 the Miamis out of the way. Arizona again. Uh, you're on the road. You got to be able to win that series against Los Angeles. It will be a factor. You know, again, play the Diamondbacks twice. What would you say is a turning point so far for the season? Well, to be honest, I, I think they've been they were set up nicely when they returned from that trip. I mentioned on Waddle and Stilby today, the, the, the opening trip, that the pitching conditions have really been favorable. Wrigley Field is in the first month of the season the most favorable park for pitchers so far, obviously because of the weather. But I'm talking about the most favorable park uh, in baseball was Wrigley Field. So once they got back home, you saw them turn around via pitching. I don't think it's going to be that easy on the mound going forward, obviously, as the weather turns and things like that. So I think the schedule set up nicely. Two warm-weather teams playing at Wrigley Field help, playing the Marlins helped. All that stuff is part of it. Winning a 15-inning game doesn't hurt either. Obviously, those can go either way. So uh, where we talk about sometimes the schedule worked against them, I think the schedule actually worked for them, though it didn't hurt you know, confidence-wise in beating a few good teams. The Diamondbacks are playing good baseball, and they won that series on the road, and we talked about the Dodgers as well. So it's a combination of things, but it started on the mound, pitching in favorable conditions, and they stepped up and did a good job. Because obviously it's favorable for both teams, but the Cubs outpitched their opponent during this little stretch. What do you think of the Seattle team? It's, just, it's, a, it's a quick two-game series, but it's a nice launching pad to take on a team that started off hot like Seattle. I didn't think it was sustainable, quite frankly, even though they're tied for first in the West. Jess, I, I thought it's a good start, but that's not going to be that way when we get to the end of the season. But, again, a pretty pretty good opponent here for the, the Cubs taking on the Seattle ball club, right? Well, it's a, it's a great test for Lester and Hamels. A couple lefties here. 
Um, the Mariners are three and three, have eleven home runs in six games against lefties, so they're averaging about two two homers a game, which I guess that's about normal for for this team right now because they are slugging, but they're also taking their walks. So this is a great test for Hamels and Lester. They've got to get guys out in the strike zone. Um, they might. I, I'd be surprised if we don't see three to four home runs off of the Mariners, off of Lester and Hamels alone. Um, it, the question is, are they solo shots or do there, are there a couple guys on base? So um, I think it's a great test for both these guys, veteran guys. They'll be given all, all the leash in the world to go six, seven, eight innings because it's the AL here. Don't have to pinch it for them. And you know those guys love going deep into games. So that, that's what I'm watching. What does Hamels do tonight? What does Lester do to, uh, tomorrow night? Watch the walk totals. There's going to be a few home runs. That's my prediction. But mm-hmm. if the walk totals are down low, Cubs will be okay. You tweeted it was a beautiful night. What's, what's uh, I'm sure roof open, ready to go, right? Yeah, roof's open. There has not been a cloud in the sky all day long, 60-plus degrees. Obviously, that'll drop tonight. But, yeah, it is just gorgeous. Never been to the small park, and uh, it's living up to the hype. It's really nice here. I understand you have a book out. Could you tell us more about that for our listeners? <laughs> Well, try not to suck in its second printing, paperback edition, hardcover. You can get it at bookstores anywhere. It's the definitive bio on Joe Madden. So pick it up. You know, Mother's Day, Father's Day is around the corner, Jay Hood. Ah, I see. So that, that book, that's it's interesting, Jesse. I'm going to pick that up one day. You never heard that book. That's first you've heard of it, huh? <laughs> Don't you understand? Breaking, it's news, stay, breaking news, I have a book out. <laughs> it's got to stay fresh, Jess. You never know what yeah. new list. You know, your audience changes every 20 minutes, so you always got to keep that in mind, Jesse. I know. That's why we keep doing the plugs. <laughs> <laughs> it's still fresh. <laughs> it is. <laughs> My friend, as always, I appreciate it. Thanks for the reporting. It's uh, a lot of stuff going on with the Cubs. Yeah, it'll be interesting uh, how this Addison Russell thing plays out, but for now, he's going to stay in the minors. That's the news of the day. Thank you, my friend. Okay, talk to you later. It is Jesse Rogers who covers the Cubs for ESPN.com. Follow him on Twitter at ESPN Shy Cubs. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. Oh, about the White Sox here. The White Sox and the Orioles rained out. Felix, I still want you to uh, contact Chris Kampka. Chris Kampka does a great job with stats on NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, you got to get him on. Uh, we got to find out. I swear. I could be wrong. It just feels this way as a Sox fan that I just think it rains more when the Sox are at home than when the Cubs are at home. I don't have any data, but I'm sure that Kampke can give us, give us that that data. You send that out to him and see if he can verify. That. Over the last five years, I bet it rains more when the Sox are at home than when the Cubs are at home. I got a feeling if the Cubs are at home, it would be 70 and sunny today. And I don't know why that is. It's just this feeling that I have here. Like the Sox, once again, have to deal with the rain, and it's going to be a doubleheader tomorrow to try to make up for that. So uh, send it out to camp and see how that comes back. We'll try to get, at least by Thursday, we should get that information. Uh, Glad that you're with me here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. Let me get to Jeff Passan, speaking of the White Sox. Jeff Passan was on Waddle and Sylvie, and they were talking about Tim Anderson. I think Anderson, who's been on this program several times, Great personality um, in inter- interviews I've done with him. Great conversation with him. He's got a lot on his mind, even beyond baseball, which I think is very intriguing uh, as a personality. And again, baseball needs more guys like Tim Anderson for the flair and the pomp and circumstance. Uh, Jeff Panson, uh, Jeff, Jeff Passan, our ESPN baseball expert, was talking about Tim Anderson. Has Tim Anderson arrived? I need more than a month. 
Like that's, I mean, that's what this comes down to, right? That Tim Anderson, what he's done in the month, uh, you know, the the end of March and and the beginning of April has been pretty damn incredible. I also see that Tim Anderson's walk rate makes Javier Baez look like <laughs> Joey Votto, <laughs> and that Tim Anderson's average on balls in play is is four thirty five. And and that's not a trivial or insignificant thing. There is there is luck going on here. Now he hits the ball hard, and that's a really good sign to have a high average on balls in play. But four thirty five is very simply unsustainable. And so there's going to be some regression here. That's natural. That's what that's what happens. That's how baseball is. You have incredible months if you're a guy as talented as Tim Anderson and you have months where you struggle. And and look, the league's going to adjust. I want to see how Tim Anderson adjusts back. And I want to see if he can sustain this beyond this great month because the tools have always been there, guys. Let's remember when the White Sox took him, uh, I'm not going to say it was an overdraft. What it was, though, was a bet on the tools that they were going to manifest themselves into skills. And we're, we're starting to see some of those skills right now, and they're pretty damn glorious to behold. But I, I need more than a month to – uh, to say Tim Anderson is anything more than a really, really talented baseball player. That's there from Jeff Passan. You can hear the rest of the interview in its entirety on the Waddle and Sylvie podcast page. Let me tell you about uh, the great Illinois Media School in Lombard. I want you to write down this number, 630-916-1700. 630-916-1700 for Illinois Media School. Illinois Media School, think about it. If you... Don't like your major while you're in college. If you're in high school, you don't know what your next step is going to be. If you have a career that you're in right now and you say, you know what, this career does not have um, the kind of career that I thought I was going to. I'm not going to make the same money I thought I was going to make. There's a ceiling to my career. You want to do something different. I want you to consider Illinois Media School in Lombard. It's the right place for you to go for those of you that are interested in broadcasting slash communications. Someone in your family, one of your friends said, boy, you've got a great voice for radio. you got a great voice for television or a great face for television. Well, I want you to consider at least having the opportunity to go on campus, schedule a tour to see Illinois Media School Lombard and see if it's for you. Go to the website beonair.com. That's beonair.com for Illinois Media School. Think about it. You got to figure out what's best for you. And you can't say, well, there's an excuse here. Maybe that's not the right time. No, the time's right because Illinois Media School Lombard has day and evening classes. They got financial aid for those who qualify. And they offer job placement assistance once you graduate. So there's no excuse to go change your life. So I want you to consider Illinois Media School Lombard. They will train you in just eight months on all aspects of TV and radio, whether you want to be a DJ, a TV host, a producer, a vlogger, a board operator, a sports commentator, a smooth operator, anything in media, Illinois Media School Lombard has it for you. So again, go to the website, beonair.com, beonair.com, or the phone number for Illinois Media School Lombard, 630-916-916. 1700. I've got over-unders for you when it comes to the NFL. 
uh, especially in the NFC North. Where are the Bears versus the Packers, the Vikings, and the Lions? I'll tell you about that coming up next on UTH. You're listening to my mans and them. Just some men that's on the mic. And when we rock up on the mic, we rock the mic. Right? Jay Hood. <laughs> on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Hit me up on Snapchat, SnapJHood. Also on Instagram, IGJHood. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Saw the over-unders when it comes to Super Bowl and playoff odds on ESPN.com for the Minnesota Vikings. 25-1 to to go to the Super Bowl. 12-1 to to win the NFC. Uh, and the odds to make the playoffs plus 130, yes, minus 150, no, interesting. Um, when it comes to the Green Bay Packers, they're 14 to 1 odds, uh, to win the Super Bowl. Odds to win the NFC is 7 to 1 for the Detroit Lions, 50 to 1 to win the NFC, 100 to 1 to win the, uh, Super Bowl, and odds to win the NFC for the Bears, 7 to 1 odds for the Bears to win the NFC, 14 to 1. Uh, as far as winning the Super Bowl, over-under is still 9, according to ESPN.com, as they went through um, their odds that they had from uh, their, from the sports books. So very interesting. Um, the Bears, I think, is a good bet for 7-1 to one odds to win the NFC. Over-under 9, I had them at 10-6 and six the first time the schedule came out. So I got no problem with that. I think I would take the over of 9 there. When it comes to the Detroit Lions, again, they're still trying to figure out and trying to uh, trying to identify who they are. The over-under 6.5, it would not surprise me if they win 7 this year. Could be just at 6, but it could be somewhere in that threshold. With the Green Bay Packers, over-under is 9. Um, and, and so, you know, that again, with Matt LaFleur as the head coach and then a new coaching staff that's in place for Aaron Rodgers, does, is this his comeback story? Does, does Green Bay come back strong? Or do they kind of flatline a little bit and try to get acclimated to one another and then maybe next year there'll be a team to be reckoned with? That's still to be determined. And the Minnesota Vikings, a team I thought was going to win the Super Bowl last year, uh, a team, again, that's going to win, I think, over nine games. Uh, they see the over-unders nine. I think it's going to be over for that right now. Um, I, I could still change by the time we get to uh, training camps, but I still feel strongly about the Bears being a 10-win ball club, 10-6, and six, in the mix for the playoffs. So we will have that. We'll talk about the uh, NBA playoffs with Golden State and Houston. I'm still really disappointed in how the players are kind of going about their their business, complaining about calls. We'll hear from someone who's going to be covering that game. Nick Friedel from Oakland will be joining us in our next hour. Also, we'll talk about the passing of John Singleton, longtime director, writer, passing away at the age of 51, had a had stroke uh, and could not recover from it. His family was around him, and so now uh, John Singleton has passed away. We'll hear from Kelly L. Carter from the Undefeated.com about the legacy of John Singleton coming up in Tales from the Hood in, uh, in hour number two. Glad you're with me here on Under the Hood. You're listening to Jonathan Hood. I'm all in my bag as hard as it gets. On ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app.